This content is brought to you in part by Real Marketing, the only marketing firm recommended exclusively by the Institute. Real Marketing utilizes over 25 years of expertise and their products are built and customized for you to dominate any neighborhood anywhere. Go to realmarketingforyou.com. That's realmarketing, the number four, you.com. Also, look for past a State of Mind episodes with CEO David Collins as our guest. Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. This is Diane Hartley, and I'm president of the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. Today, we have two special guests from Toronto, Canada. We will be talking to Lori Peterson, founder of Lori Peterson Home Staging and Styling, the leading luxury staging firm in the Toronto area. Lori and her team work with home sellers and real estate professionals to truly showcase luxury homes when they are presented to market. Joining Lori is Nissan Michael, also known as Mr. Yorkville, who is routinely thought of as the expert in the high-end residential market in Greater Toronto. Lori and Nissan have presented a number of homes to market together, and today they will unpack exactly how they partner to unlock the equity in the homes they are marketing. Okay, so welcome Lori and Nissan. This is gonna be fun. Uh, I'm really excited about today. We've got two really, really supreme experts here to talk about this idea of professionally showcasing a home. So let's talk first to Lori, Lori Peterson. Um, Lori has her own company, Lori Peterson Staging and Home Staging and Styling. Lori, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and how you got into this profession and how it kind of reaches into a bunch of different other things. Thanks, Diane. Um, in a previous life, I was in financial accounting and operations for a, an industrial distribution company. So I was not in this world at all. But uh, luckily, I was able to have a new career start um, about 10 years ago now, um, in 2012. And I was able to, I always wanted to get into interior design, um, but I really wasn't keen on going back to school for four years and, and getting the whole designation <laughs> yeah. going back to that. So somebody just mentioned off the cuff, you know, why don't you look at real estate staging? Um, so I did, and I found this. Uh, governing body or this uh, professional training organization called CSP International, Certified Staging Professionals. And I thought, this is great. This is a, a nice way in and this will be fun. So I took the course and um, sort of the rest is history. I spent, right. I spent quite a bit of time mentoring before that with an interior designer. So I learned a little bit about that side of the business and then, and then through the CSP, how to apply it to real estate transactions. Yeah. And so now you've grown this business to, you have a full team, right? You mm -hmm. now hold the highest designation you can around luxury, right? It's a luxury specialist yes. uh, within, yes. within um, staging. That's really terrific. And, and uh, both you and Nissan work together. And so Nissan, tell us a little bit, you have kind of the same, almost an interesting story that's quite similar. Uh, yes. And hi, hi everyone. <laughs> uh, many years ago, I joined my dad's law firm. Uh, his uh, practice was restricted to personal injury uh, litigation, insurance law. Uh, I'm a mediator 
that's in my background. I'm a member of the Law Society, and, and my role was meeting with clients uh, who have been in motor vehicle accidents and then representing them at these mediation hearings, settlement negotiations. I was miserable. I spent, I'd say, half my day in hospitals looking at, you know, clients uh, hooked up to, to machinery and uh, complaints. There, there was, it was just a very depressing, uh, stressful job. I spent uh, another, you know, several hours a day fighting with insurers. Right. And then trying to facilitate loans for the poor clients who, you know, have no more means of supporting their families. And they're losing their houses. Very miserable. And it takes, in litigation, it could take two, three years minimum to settle yeah. one of these claims. You have to wait for your clients to reach their medical, their maximum medical recovery. That may take two years. You issue your claim, you go to discoveries, depositions. Wow. Uh, it was extremely lucrative. Yeah. But I was miserable. At the time, I was living uh, in, a, in a Tony uh, chic neighborhood in Toronto called Yorkville. And I'm surrounded by all these millionaires. And I'm watching as, you know, every couple of years, they're selling their condos and they're upgrading. They're, you know, they're never happy with what they have. They're always looking for the next best property. And I say to myself, you know, what am I doing here? I have all the contacts. You know, they say contacts equal co equals contracts. So why don't I just start helping my neighbors upgrade? Uh, and so I decided to jump into real estate. And uh, there's very little stress in comparison to. Right. You have what I call perspective. Right. Like oh, you have yes. tremendous perspective okay. of what stress really is. Right. And so so yes. now you you kind of unlocked a passion of yours. And now many years later, here you are a very successful um, real estate professional in Yorkville. Right. And they call you Mr. Yorkville. Right. <laughs> Can you tell us that story? Because it's one of my the, favorites. How we got to Mr. Yorkville. Yes. <laughs> well, I, it could be because everything Every task, everything I do is, you know, in this neighborhood. Yeah, so yeah. from restaurants to going to the gym to uh, performing at the synagogue, everything I do is York. They did not allow for any billboard advertisements. And I, I think to this very day, they don't. You won't go. You'll never drive down the road and see a billboard uh, with an agent smiling, saying, you know, you know, this is my neighborhood or, you know. I fight for you uh, with, with their with their picture. Uh, I wanted a billboard in Yorkville. And to get around it, uh, someone I was talking to in branding said, why don't you just change your name? It's you're not saying the word real estate. You're just Mr. Yorkville. And uh, it stuck. <laughs> That's excellent. And I love the Good. creative thinking around it, because one of the things that has occurred in the last 30 days, right, in the U.S., is that the real estate market here got a big wake-up call how local it is, how, how local and really hyper-local real estate is with these iBuyers overextending and, not, and trying to use algorithms to price properties. 
And I thought about you and Mr. Yorkville when I was reading that, because it's really absolute proof that, especially I think in the luxury market, it's really about the expertise that you bring about the very area that, that you're working in. And so the two of you came together in a really interesting property. And Lori, I, I, I know uh, you and I have talked about it, and, and, I, and I think this is a really unique way to describe this idea of a partnership between a very successful real estate professional and a very successful um, home, a luxury home showcaser. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a kind of a unique property. You yes, want you yes. want to talk about it a little? Sure, sure. Thank you. Um, this was a scenario definitely where it was a special home, a unique home, and it needed to be presented properly and really marketed with the right touch and with the right level of professionalism. Unfortunately, it wasn't getting that with the previous representation. So. I, I've only known Nissan for about a year and strictly because of this property, I asked around, I said, you, can you give me a recommendation for somebody who's really excellent, who would really be willing to partner with me and to really work together to get this property sold? It's a tough one. So um, Nissan was recommended to me and we had a meeting and, and we chit-chatted and we had a few conversations and I knew right away, like, this is perfect. This is going to be great. <laughs> so, um, and he won over the family as well. And turns out that 20 years ago, he had had dinner with um, their parents at an event. Wow. Uh, they received and so a, this a, home it was, was a small circle. It was, it was already presented. It already had uh, been on the market. It had been on the market for market a long unsuccessfully time. for almost three years. Yeah. Okay. And so that, you know, I, I think the general public really does have that impression of these kind of more difficult, higher priced homes. And and just right. full disclosure, it's sitting at, I would kind of call them the midpoint. It's not the benchmark, but it's the midpoint. It's pretty high up there um, yeah. in, in Toronto real estate, but it wasn't in a perfect area, right? And we all know we all know we're we're working in a in a an environment today that really, regardless of where you are, the the right home in the right neighborhood, that's going to go quickly. But not every home can be in the right neighborhood. No, not every home can be exactly on the right street. So this house had some negatives associated with it, right? Mm-hmm. And as hot Gorgeous. as gorgeous, and as hot as a market ever is, if a home isn't seem to be in good repair or have been taken care of or presented in a, in a neutralized way that will appeal to a wider base, um, it will sit. So, yeah, so we set about to make those changes. Um, we did neutralize it, we painted it, we brightened it up, we took out quite a bit of furniture and brought in some more transitional pieces um, just to soften the styling a little bit. And um, another trick, not trick, I'm sorry. Another thing that we did um, as a strategy was the kitchen was very specific to a certain demographic. Um, it had two ovens, two sinks, two refrigerators, two big, huge islands, um, and really nowhere to sit down and have a family meal or anything like that. So it was a very specific type of a kitchen. So what we did was we had a 3D rendering made and put on a great big easel 
on the one side of the kitchen so that when people came in, even though we couldn't renovate the entire kitchen in time for the listing and things like that, or we didn't want to necessarily spend that money because the new buyers might have their own ideas. Right. Nor would you, you really wouldn't in that, in that case. Right. So we, we made a, a great big poster board of some 3d rendering. So people could imagine what the kitchen could look like with a little bit of work. And so, so were the two of you, you know, working together on this, like how, how did that relationship work between the two of you? Yeah, we, I had nothing. Oh, sorry. Right, go ahead. There you go. Go ahead. I jump in. I I had nothing to do with the design. I had no input on uh, on what Lori was doing yes, from so an aesthetic fine. perspective. <laughs> Pardon me. You have I some really mind, trust, and faith. <laughs> when I was more, when I walked into that home for the first time, I was mortified. I mean, Lori is really humble the way she's you know explaining this sure. transition but if i could say this on camera there was a deuce in the pool and it looked like an elephant lived in the basement it was it, it was just in disarray the, the the home had curtains plexiglass uh family photos uh you know there were rabbi photos everywhere it was an orthodox uh oh, jewish sure. orthodox Oh, interesting. Uh, and it went to market that way. It went to market. And the, the previous uh, agent did not spend a dollar on photography, on cleaning it up, on presenting it. Just a few tricks of the trade. Sure, sure, sure. sure. To try and present it properly. But Lori's job was uh, something that I think should take the average stage your company two years and she did how long did it take you Lori? it took you six weeks four weeks two weeks yeah wow that's amazing and so unbelievable the transformation was unbelievable so i i like this for a ton of reasons right because if i had a nickel for every time i've heard i like i introduced myself hi i'm diane oh hi i'm an agent there's no inventory right like it's it's now becoming part of what someone's name is (laughs) hi i'm jill there's no inventory and and so what what we're really talking about here is of course there's inventory okay our data bears out that there are homes on the market but this piece that we're talking about very specifically today is from the stager's perspective the how do you do it and then from the the really the listing agent's perspective how do you work with the seller to get them to understand that this market in in this even incredibly hot market, this home in this condition will not sell. And so um, this particular example had, it was a total transformation. Lori, what was the budget? Do you recall? I believe it was in the area for all the repairs and the things that, I would say this family spent about $50,000. I would have guessed a hundred. Okay. Okay. But so that was just my guess, which means I'm wrong and I'm wrong almost all the time. Um, But, but so now they've spent $50,000 and the holding costs of a property like that alone, that's six months of holding cost. Right. And they held it for three and a half years or three years. So the math in that case really is favorable. Um, And so 
So that $50,000 is repair work and things like that. And so, so Nissan, what role did you have in trying to help this the seller visualize this type of outcome? I didn't really have much of a role in this particular case. Uh, Lori really sold them on her expertise. Uh, I agreed with everything that Lori stated that needed to be done. <laughs> so, you know, I just went over the report and I said to my clients, I said, yeah, I mean, this is necessary. Everything here on this report is necessary. Uh, you know, Lori's not selling you something you don't need. You need this. Right. Um, but that particular client came to me through Lori. So they were already, you know, I didn't have Probably much input. Board. Yeah, but, but, but generally yeah. speaking, yeah. I always tell my clients, get Lori, I get Lori in right away, even at the consultation stage, even if I don't have a listing signed up a hundred percent, I bring Lori and Lori renders this report and her report goes through the entire home and says, okay, you you have to get declutter these bedrooms. You, we recommend, you know, cleaning the windows, uh, painting these walls, uh, taking this, you know, to storage, whatever it is. It's a 15-page report, and it's uh, the most, it's the best money I could ever spend as a realtor. Uh, even even the, the dollars I spend on Lori is even better than, you know, than the money I put into advertising. Sure. Because it sets the stage. It tells the client exactly what they need to do. And it's their checklist. Mm -hmm. And they look at this report and they're like, okay. And they start working. Uh, whether the listing is to come on market in a week or two or, or six months out, they're following that report and uh, the guidelines of the report. And that's it makes excellent. it just easier on everyone. And well, that's and I, before Lori brings her goods yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. It's just so, the report. So kind of from an expectation standpoint, right? There's anytime someone presents you their work product in writing, you automatically think of them differently, right? And so I think that's one thing we, which would be a standard, right, Laura? I mean, you want people to produce something in writing. Absolutely. There is, um, there's, there's quite a few stagers who do what they call walk and talks. Um, they'll do just a speaking consultation and everybody has their own business model and their own way of doing things. And, and, and that, that works, um, in many cases, but for the luxury market, I really believe that present and again, presentation, what we're selling is presentation. Yeah. So why wouldn't we present, you know, properly to our clients or to our prospective clients? So our report is always, you know, printed. It's always in a glossy folder. It's got backup uh, resources and information, um, you know, and it's handed to them in a very professional way. We sit down and do a face-to-face -face, uh, presentation now that we can. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to be back to, to seeing people again. So, yeah, I, I feel that in order to gain people's trust in it, for them to trust us with their most expensive asset likely in their portfolio, 
that they have to see that we know what we're talking about when it comes to presentation, even in terms of how we present ourselves. So you, you continue to use the word present and presentation, and, and I really like that. And I, I think um, there's confusion, I believe, in what you do and how you would work with Nissan or, or any other agent. And, and I like this platform to kind of clear that up a bit. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that I think about is we, we and I'm, I'm putting myself in the general public, right? We think of maybe staging as kind of design. But, you know, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now, and you've been associated with the Institute now for, for a couple of years. What, what you've brought to our members is this idea that this has, there are design elements, right? Right. But this is a presentation to sell. Yes. And, you know, uh, last year, I guess, well, within this year, you, you've sold your own home. Yes. And I love this story for a ton of reasons, but it really drives home the point that it's, that it's not just about good taste because you know, anybody that's watching this on YouTube and anywhere can see that you have beautiful taste, right? <laughs> but that's not what, what staging's about. Right. So what we always say to our clients is that the way we live is very different than the way we sell. When you're selling your home, it becomes a product that needs to be marketed uh, to the population of buyers. When you live in a home, it is for you. It's for your family. It's how you want to use it. It's, it's what makes you comfortable. It's the function of, of each space that you need to use. It has, do you need a workspace here? Do you need a, a, you know, a workout space somewhere else? But when you're selling, it all of a sudden has to become a, a product. So I recently sold my house and everyone would think automatically that, oh, you're a stager, you're a designer. You don't need to touch your house. You can just put the sign on the lawn and off you go. Well, no, <laughs> I basically <laughs> told my husband, I said, stand back. I need to walk the top. And let me do what we need to do. So I, I called in my two lead uh, stagers and we sat at the kitchen table and I sat down with my hands folded and I, with my mouth shut and they provided me with a full staging consultation. They did the room by room report. It was four pages long. Um, you know, we had to pre-pack. I use pre-pack, not declutter. <laughs> we had wow. to pre-pack as much as we could. Um, we had to clear things out. We had to paint a few rooms. We had, to, you know, I used my front living room as the family room because it was more comfortable to be that way. That's the way I wanted to use that room. But for selling, it was a first impression room. So I wanted to bring it back to being a living room. So out goes that furniture, out to storage, in comes staging furniture. So in 10 days, we literally had a whirlwind in this house. We had painters, cleaners, chandelier cleaners, stagers, movers, packers, the whole nine yards. It was a three, I mean, to an outsider, it would be a three ring circus. To, to us, it was a well-oiled machine, right? And so we transformed the entire place, got it on the market. And um, in the first morning, we had two, three preemptive offers but we held off until uh, the end of the weekend and we ended up with seven offers and 23% of our asking. Wow. That's amazing. And, and of course there's a lot in there that we all heard. So I'm going to ask you a couple of follow-up questions and then I'm going to ask Nissan a question. So 
this idea that you painted rooms. Mm -hmm. Now that's a pretty big commitment for people to do, right? That aren't in this business. So if I'm again, the seller, I think, why do you want to paint this room? I really like this deep orange. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Right. right. You probably had a bold color. And why is it that that needs to go away? Because anything that is very taste specific um, limits your market. That's what it boils down to. So if you want to it to appeal to a wider base, you want it to appeal to more people, um, you make it more neutral and more uh, general in a way. Yeah, so, that's interesting. And you don't live like that, right? You like color. You like what you like. Because, because I've been doing staging for 10 years and everything is painted. You know, all of our clients, we recommend they go beige yeah. <laughs> almost everywhere, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I had a deep wine Merlot kind of a wall and I had, you know, I, I had a teal wall in another room. Like I like I liked my house to be a little bit more colorful <laughs> when I come home because I'm so used to seeing so much neutral. But when we had to go to market, we had to tone it down a little bit. And it one of the things we talked about, right, over time, you and I have talked and Nissan and I have talked about this, that we're in this, again, crazy market. And there's more to it as well. It's right, this: the higher the price point goes, frankly, the more money people have to personalize. Mm -hmm. And so as you get into even the home that you talked about that have plexiglass and multi multiple, you know, functioning kitchens, that's just a personalization for their lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the key is to remove that particular lifestyle and put in a more general lifestyle, because we all know that in the luxury market, people are buying they're buying the dirt, but they're buying the lifestyle. Right. Mm -hmm. And you want to showcase that. Nissan, one of the things you talked about was, was this idea of how a stager, a professional luxury stager can maximize every inch. So in the world where you're in right mm -hmm. now, a mm -hmm. room that might be forgotten, like a basement. Mm -hmm. Right. So I would like to just pick up on something that Laurie mentioned uh, with the, the colors, you know, yeah. color having colored walls. I find that when you have color on the wall, the room appears smaller. Uh, I loved my office. It was done in barrel ball rectory red. But when I went to sell that condo, I, I went white because right. I mean, you just, it, it's, you know, you could put artwork up on a white wall, but these personalized colorful uh, rooms, they, they appear much smaller, like, uh, like 30% you know, Very true. Uh, smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, I, wanted, I wanted to make a distinction between a professional stager. Right. There's, there's a difference between a professional stager and then stagers. Stagers are all over the place. Your average stager thinks they know something about interior design because mm -hmm. they're, you know, because their grandmother said that they, you know, they, yeah. they, you know, they have good taste. And they go to the home, they don't render a report, they don't give any professional advice. They simply say, this is my fee. And they dial 1-800-RENT-CRAP and they bring <laughs> in this stuff, this hideous, I don't even, I don't 
I don't want to put down Ikea, but it's, it's, it's not even Ikea. It's like used yeah. Ikea. Yeah. And they think that's, that's wonderful. They just think that, and I've had two occasions where I've just sent it all back. Sure. I've said like, like, what is this? And then I scramble and bring in my own artwork. Right. I disassemble my own condo, bring the, bring my furniture right. to a listing. Uh, and hopefully it sells quickly enough so I could get my furniture back. Uh, and, and that is not professional. That is not the way it should be done. Uh, what Lori does is she brings quality furniture, furniture from LT, furniture that that affluent, successful people would actually use. I mean, who are who, who's your audience? If if you know, who's coming in to buy that property? Uh, if they're used to sitting on Rochefort, then you, you have to use Lori. You can't, you can't rent the, you know. Right, right. Uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, and so how about this idea, though, of, of um, you know, it, it used to be just sort of the primary rooms or getting you from the curb into the house. And then as you go through the house, you know, the impression initially is really what matters. But in, in this type of market where we're trying to get the maximum value in every square footage Matt, piece of square footage matters. What are you seeing? Yeah, you're asking me. Yeah. You're still talking. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm seeing that agents are making sure that every square inch is addressed, whether it's a theater room, a uh, home office, uh, you know, uh, a playground, even eat, they're even paying attention to the outside. Uh, they're setting up a basketball court, uh, you know, very professional looking basketball court in the back of the home. Because in this market, you're overpaying. Let's face it, in many, many instances, you're, you're, you know, you're coming in with a few hundred thousand dollars over ask. Uh, You want to feel like you're getting your, your money's worth. Mm -hmm. So the more line items you could add to that Feature list, feature list on the listing, the more people will attribute to the value, right? So we're adding yes. yoga studios, wellness centers, you know, um, home gyms, all sorts of wine cellars. I, yeah, I find they're replacing, very often they're replacing the basement flooring, uh, putting in new hardwood. And mm-hmm. that is a recommendation from professional stagers such as Lori. Um, they're, you know, they're coming in, they're not just simply putting, you know, lipstick on a pig. They're actually going in and uh, saying, okay, a family has to live here. Children have to play in the basement. Uh, we don't want mold. We don't want this old floor. They, they'll rip out the flooring, spend $20,000 and then stage the basement mm-hmm. to the T, you know, to the nines. Uh, but they're getting their they're getting their value when they're selling that home. Uh, you know, you may have nine registered offers. Mm-hmm. Or I love that. I love what you just talked about, and that is a real strategy, right? Adding features that may have just been a room used for something else, but in a, in a luxury 
lifestyle, saying that it's a yoga room is going to be, you know, check. Wow, I've got that. They may not use it for that, right? It'll um, likely be a storage room, but it'll likely be a storage room. <laughs> so, so kind of wrapping this up, right? One of the things that uh, we think about here at the Institute is the market that we're in right now, regardless of where you are. Okay, we've established that you're you're our northernmost friend in, in Toronto there. <laughs> Snowy and, uh, yes, and in, in the U.S. and really wherever wherever you really are right now, um, there's this enormous inventory, quote, I'm doing air quotes, shortage. Because the thing, this is where the professions that you both have step up, okay? And say, look, if, if a, a sales ratio is, you know, 150% or 200%, meaning the turnover on X street or X neighborhood is such that those houses are going to sell no matter what. We also recognize that we have this burgeoning population that wants to be homeowners. How do we help them do that? Not by telling them, you know, hi, my name is Jill and there's no inventory. It's, hi, my name is Jill and I want to introduce you to this other part of town, okay? And a stager, a professional stager and a, a real estate professional have really spent the time um, creating a very different feel and look. And now we're kind of removing these borders of, oh, I don't want to live past that street, right? Mm -hmm. Which are really psychological barriers. And the house that you talked about, not your own home, but the house that you talked about, that was, you know, priced fairly high. It's kind of that kind of home, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It wasn't in the most ideal neighborhood. No, it wasn't. But um, but that's what we're seeing generally is that even if people can't necessarily afford the core of the city, um, they also don't really need to right now. They can get a lot more bang for their buck if they stretch out even just 10 minutes, 10 minutes or 20 minutes from the downtown core to the greater Toronto area almost goes in $500,000 increments. Wow. That's amazing. You can get, yeah. You can get the same house, um, you know, 10 or 15 minutes further away for $500,000 less. So that's a significant dollar value. That's a, that's real money for, for a young family or first time homeowners. And especially with the work from home, reality that we're living in right now, people don't need to be on the subway line. They don't need to be right downtown anymore. Right. They can go that extra 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or even half an hour, um, save quite a bit of money and still have a, a comfortable lifestyle and a really lovely home to raise their family in or to, you know, be pre-retired. Um, a lot of people are going now to lakeside areas. You know, they're trying to live a little bit more with an outdoor lifestyle. Um, so they don't necessarily need to be commuting to the rat race. <laughs> so, right, right. Because now they're just on Zoom all day. So so they can live where they want to live instead of where they now, have. Now, hopefully one of these days, uh, this pandemic uh, ends mm -hmm. and then we could start selling all those country properties and bring them back <laughs> into the downtown core you know, it's kind of like the divorce. It's the gift that keeps giving for realtors, yeah. right? And well, we, you know, 
Yeah, we called that. Uh, we just issued a report. We issued a report, and we uh, we termed that the boomerang, right? Mm -hmm. That that there's this idea that it started in the urban core, and then people said, "Hey, I want to go out here," and maybe they didn't even sell their urban core home, right? But they did in the luxury market add another property. But you know, the other the other kind of interesting thing about luxury today and this this luxury benchmarks that we have, it's it kind of used to go without saying that luxury was the buy up market. But in this economy that we're all in, where we have favorable interest rates, luxury is also becoming the entry. Um, and so you really, when it's the entry, you've really got to also present the home because they're not necessarily savvy, right? They're not, this is their first home and they're, they're and maybe it's not a $5 million home, but maybe it's a million and a half. And mm -hmm. They don't understand that those red walls can be painted over. Now, I do have to say this. How many coats of white paint did it take for you to cover the wall? <laughs> how many? Four? A lot. It was <laughs> pink for a while. <laughs> it was pink. It was Sorry. pink. And I it, had that no, a lot It takes a lot. It's, it, you know. That's what people are looking for, right? They're looking for a nice, modern, clean aesthetic. Believe it or not, crown moldings are no longer in favor. You know, people just want walls to look nice and tall and yeah high ceilings so crown moldings are coming especially the ornate crown moldings are coming down yeah um yeah there's so we always sort of have to stay a little bit ahead of the trend um yeah if it's a trend then we're too late so we have to stay ahead of it and then be able to predict what people are going to want yeah. what people are looking for and one thing that is also super important is that usually the buyers of a property are at least 15 to 20 years younger than the sellers of yeah. property. So those people are generally a little bit more trendy, a little bit more stylish, a little bit more aware of fashion and what's going on. So, so just to have a place that looks very well put together and um, a little edgy or a little fun, a little funky, um, makes it memorable and people will come back yeah. to them. That's a great point. And, um, you know, one that I've been, I've had my eye on that for a while of idea of the seller probably couldn't even buy in that neighborhood anymore. Right. And so that exactly. whole, yeah, that, that whole um, approach has to be, how do you satisfy both sides? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, I love your stories. I think, I think you both are really terrific professionals and um, you know, I, I do, I have to give you the commercial Lori, cause you're, you're just such a lovely human being. Um, it's uh, Lori Peterson, P-E-D-E-R-S-E-N dot C-A, because you're Canadian. Um, and so that's that's your website. And I and I do love it. And I know you're making some changes to it. And so when folks see it, it's going to be brand spanking new. And then you're also you also have your work on house. Yes. And of course, you are all over Instagram, I imagine. Yes. Um, and and look, Lori's just somebody that that I highly uh uh, encourage people to follow because she said something really important there is that when it's a trend, we're too late. And so folks like Lori spend their time being ahead of that. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's really clear the chemistry between the two of you, how well you work together, because even though he won't admit it, he's also pretty ahead of the trend to Mr. Yorkville. So, uh, <laughs> so look, thanks again. I really appreciate yeah. it. And I appreciate your time. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Guys you. Diane, it was thank fun. You.
Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute, you can find more at luxuryhomemarketing.com. If you like what you just heard, please share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.